Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand right here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We've got two jam-packed hours for you today. We're going to get into at the bottom of the hour uh, how the world basically uh, went insane because of uh, the scamdemic, because of COVID. Justin Hart was one of the OGs to start pushing back on the COVID stand scamdemic narrative. He wrote a new book about just that. He'll be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. We've got fake news or not coming your way next hour. And uh, we're going to have a pop culture Tuesday that I know a lot of you have waited a long time for. We will be having a conversation that I know a lot of you have waited many, 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 many moons, maybe six years for, in fact, Uh, that'll be coming up uh, a little bit later on in the program. I did get a nice note uh, about our new partners, though, over at uh, Jace Medical. Uh, Kelly Wilkes says, uh, I want to thank you guys so much. One of the questions, I filled out their easy questionnaire. One of the questions was about allergies to medication. Like you, Steve, I'm allergic to penicillin. A few minutes after completing the questionnaire, I received a confirmation email uh, with the penicillin being replaced with an additional Z-Pack. And I got my Jace case today and started the process on Friday. It's already here. Uh, it's They have excellent customer service. I'm giving gift certificates to friends and family for Christmas. So if you are, thank you, Kelly. If you are wondering what Jace Medical is, it's basically the, the My Patriot supply of medications. Because, you know, we, there's no precedent that we could all just recently consider of the system deciding to just suddenly tell you after decades of FDA approval that a drug you might need during a pandemic is now poison for you and a drug that just won uh, in 2015 a Nobel Prize suddenly and has been given to literally tens of millions of people since then uh, suddenly it's just uh, it's unsafe and horse paced I mean there's no precedence of any yeah there is so just in case Go to Jace, just in case, all right? JaceMedical.com is where you want to go, JaceMedical.com, and they make it easy and affordable. Fill out the online questionnaire like Kelly did. Physician will evaluate your needs. The medications are dispensed by a licensed pharmacy for a fraction of the regular cost. When you go to Jace, J as in jump, JaceMedical.com, that's JaceMedical.com. And with that, let's get to it. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Incomprehensible Evil. The CDC is considering adding the COVID-19 jab to the annual childhood immunization schedule. The vote on whether or not to do so is scheduled to take place tomorrow. According to Congressman Thomas Massey, if the CDC does do this in some states, it'll mean kids can't go to school or play sports without having taken the COVID jabs and will give liability protection to the manufacturers. And now on to the meat of the montage. There were so many clips I found interesting that came out yesterday, and I'm just going to hit you with them rapid fire. We'll start with Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon, who was on Tucker Carlson last night. You're not just running against the failed governor of Michigan, and boy has she failed, but you're also running as someone who's going to improve Michigan. Can you just give us a quick preview of what you're telling audiences when you speak to them? First and foremost, we are going to bring back education in the state of Michigan. It has been decimated by this governor. We were 38th in the nation, and then she kept our kids out of school 
But then we heard the Department of Ed is trying to keep secrets from parents and teach sex and gender. The politicizing the schools, is, is that something you think voters in Michigan are aware of? Absolutely. You are even seeing the voters in Dearborn, Michigan. You're seeing vote families across the state that are saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We do not want this sex and gender in our schools. We've put it on our website, TudorDixon.com. We are going to fight against this sex and gender in schools. We, similar to what you saw in Florida, talking about we're going to go yeah. back to the basics for kindergarten to third grade and none of this pornography. We have parents across the state that are reading things out loud that you wouldn't be able to air on your show. In Ohio, Senate candidate J.D. Vance eviscerated Democrat Tim Ryan on his race baiting. This is disgusting. I'd like to get here, here's exactly what happens when the media and people like Tim Ryan accuse me of engaging the great, great replacement theory. I'll tell you, you exactly, peddling it. I'll you tell you exactly it. what happens, Tim. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children, get attacked by scumbags online and in person because you are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. We are sick of it. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can believe in the, the country without being a racist. And this just shows how desperate this guy is for political power. I know you've been in office for 20 years, Tim, and I know it's a sweet gig, but you're so desperate not to have a real job that you'll slander me and slander my family. It's disgraceful. Vance went on to attack Ryan's connection to Big Pharma. So Tim Ryan has run commercials falsely accusing my nonprofit of me taking money out of it and it not helping people. It did help people when I put $80,000 of my own money, Tim. But you know what? Those commercials are paid for by pharmaceutical blood money because Tim Ryan received tens of thousands of dollars from the very companies that have profited off of this. <coughs> and that's exactly how he's able to fund the lies that he's been putting on TV against me. In Pennsylvania, John Fetterman has trouble completing a sentence. Send me to Washington, D.C. Take on to make sure I push back against work to work. But he is once more super articulate when talking about evil policies. Do you support any restrictions on abortion? I don't. I've always believed. Even in the third trimester? I, I, I believe that choice is between a woman, her doctor, and a god if she prays to one. What's a woman update? Ulta Beauty, you know, that place that sells makeup and grew to be a national brand thanks to women. Well, they tweeted this the other day. Now I know I can find love. I know I can still be a performer. I know that I can have a family. I want to be a mom one day. And I absolutely can. And that's why the narrative still has a long way to go. Because when I was grieving Boy Dylan, I didn't know those things were even accessible to me. In Utah, independent Senate candidate Evan McMullen called everybody like you and me barbarians in a debate with Mike Lee. Senator Lee, it is a betrayal of the American Republic. You were there to stand up for our, for our Constitution. But when the barbarians were at the gate, you were happy to let them in. Senator Lee, next, and we will give you an additional 11 seconds, please. Look, I, I think I disagree with everything my opponent just said, including the words but, and, and the. Um, it was an information-free, truth-free statement uh, that's uh, something of a record. Kamala Harris, your thoughts? I love just Venn diagrams. Okay. <laughs> It's a little special. I really do. I love Venn diagrams. <laughs> you know, the, the three circles, sometimes there are more. NBC News interviewed Herschel Walker. You are going to have to work with President Biden and yes. Democrats in order to get anything done. That's right. So let me ask you, can you name one thing that President Biden has done that you support? One thing that he's done that I support 
Mm. Eat a lot of ice cream. And finally, two quick items to end the montage. California Governor Gavin Newsom announced the COVID state of emergency in his state will end on February 28th. He didn't specify which year, though. Tweet from the Washington Post. Perspective. You'd think that the man who altered the sound of pop music with the college dropout would be creative with his biases. Instead, his politics are modeled after the most boring possible person, the straight white Christian bigot. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage is brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents I Trust, of course, in these... Unprecedented times. Indeed. uh, Very unprecedented, you know, where inflation's gone up 485% since uh, we chanted, let's go, Brandon, Uh, where the average mortgage payment in America has gone up 189% since we chanted, let's go, Brandon. Um, Make sure you go into the real estate market with an agent with a fully vetted track record of success. Where would you be blessed enough to find such a being? Well, we make it easy for you. The name says it all. Just head over to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. A lot of times the agents we're going to recommend to you are right here from this very audience, I should say. Pardon me, John Fetterman moment. Uh, Right out of this very audience. So they share your values as well. It can help you get to or out of just about any place you want to go. The process is simple. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today. Provide us some basic info. And then our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents. Agents at realestateagentsitrust.com. So let us um, let us get to the montage, shall we? Number one, I have I don't know who's running Herschel Walker's campaign. I don't, why are you doing interviews with NBC News? A final month into the election. What, what? Now, I love that clip. Okay, and so that's one of those. You know, if this were a basketball game, no, no, nice shot. All right, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but. Todd, draw me up a composite of the Georgia voter. A Venn diagram, if you will. (laughs) Don't, why'd you, that almost made me walk off the set when I saw it the first time. I love Venn diagrams. Uh. Venn diagrams all the way across the sky. It's a Venn diagram. It's a triple circle all the way. Yes. Nice reference there, by the way. Uh, Where was I? All right. Draw me a composite of the Georgia voter who was like, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to vote for Herschel Walker or not. But then I saw his interview on NBC News. Go. Well, he's just taken after the old man. I mean, draw me the composite of the Trump voter who cares that he talks to Maggie Haberman. Fair. Okay, but But, I mean, there there is literally now that clip works itself out. Okay, but if you watch the rest of that interview, by the way, all of it is about his alleged scandals and personal life and everything else. Okay, so the good news is that clip is potent enough that his own partisan media will be able to drive that clip home to to drown out the other things that were discussed in that full length interview. All right, but barring that clip. You know, if they had not asked a question like that, and if he had not been uh, able to put together sort of a viral statement like that, everything else that would have come out of that interview would have been against his narrative. There, it would been, there would have been no point to it. None. He doesn't need name ID. Her, anybody in Georgia not know who Herschel Walker is, do you think? Or anybody alive, anybody with an IQ over 12 in Georgia not know who Herschel Walker is? 
All right. I mean, they've been naming their kids after this uh, guy for 40 years. All right. So he doesn't need help. Doesn't need to talk to him. For, does he need? Does anybody? Does he need introduce himself to Would anybody? Would you at just all? get on board the red wave? Will okay. you? This is the kind of stuff, though, that bothers me that I have to fix. There, there's no point in talking to any outlet that doesn't help you reach your audience. None. No point. Particularly in this environment, when everybody's there, there aren't any persuadable people watching NBC News. Literally, not one. Not one live being who is persuadable is watching NBC News. You know why? Because not one live being who's persuadable is watching any of these news channels. Not a single damn one. Whether it's Fox or anybody else, none of them are. There's nobody persuadable watching any of these channels. Very few people even watch any of them anyway, when you consider the total viewership vis-a-vis the electorate. So when you're trying to produce a viral moment... The odds you'll be able to do it with NBC News as your conduit, as opposed to a more favorable platform, not high. This one worked itself out, and he's got a bit of momentum right now. But whoever is telling him to do interviews with NBC News the last three weeks in an election where the, where it's, where the New York Times is telling us it's plus five Republican on the generic ballot doesn't know what the hell they're doing. I'm just telling you that. Doesn't know what the hell you're doing, they're doing, and he'll have to win in spite of that kind of advice. I just wanted to point that out because it's in sharp contrast with Tudor Dixon. Who is she talking to? Tucker Carlson. Why? Because she knows who her audience is. If Tudor Dixon does not win, it is because she failed to successfully rally the entirety of the Michigan grassroots behind her in a state that the Republican Party has frankly wrecked. That'll be why she lost. Midterms are always lower turnout elections, regardless of whether an incumbent is on the ballot or not. So she's actually talking to a good outlet. She'll talk to another one on Thursday. Well, let's hope so. You. Okay. Um, And I also think the messaging that she is using there. Now, there is an Emerson poll out this morning. Emerson is one of the polls that we uh, aggregate in our proven pollster polling average. Say that 10 times fast, by the way. Maybe I should come up with a different name for that. <laughs> okay. But uh, um, uh, she's down by five in that poll, which means she's really down by six. Because with Witchmer and, and Wayne County and Washtenaw County, you have to grant, you have to, there's a point there of shenanigans. I know some of you believe that they're going to reverse like nine points with cheating. I, they won't. I don't know why you believe that. I really don't. I mean, we just went through an election where they cheated their ass off in Georgia to win by 13,000 votes, a measly 13,000 votes. I keep telling you, you, you cannot reverse wide swaths of numbers to this degree without it being so obvious what you're doing that the shooting would start 10 minutes later, which is one argument for maybe hoping they do do it. Okay, I suppose for some of you. Um, but they don't have the polling narrative to do it. Um, you can't just have... It, it, it just... That's not reality. Well, Steve, we don't live in reality. And at some point... Maybe they don't. We do. But reality still exists. Maybe... Is there a growing cacophony of people in this country that want to pretend as if reality does not exist? Yeah. Yeah. Does reality, though, still exist? Yeah. Do we, though, because what they're doing, act as if reality does not exist? No, no of course not. 
nine people jump off, open the plane door and jump off 40,000 feet in the air. All convinced that they will fly. What happens to all nine? Dead. Dead. Should you then, because the, these other nine crazies did this, should you then act as if the law, the, the law of gravity is not in effect and behave accordingly? Be, should you not look at the fact they went splat and realize, wow, reality still exists? So you see what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, it depends okay. if I had seen that uh, Venn diagram video from Kamala before or after I jump, but I hear your point. I'm not sure who annoys me more. The, the people who act as if the last election wasn't stolen or the people who think they're going to steal 12 points in a, on game day. Okay. With all that being said, though, you know, um, they absolutely, we just saw it in the last election, they can steal a point. Maybe two at the most. So if she's down by five, she's really down by six. There's a margin of cheating there. Um, She's moving in the right direction. But time is of the essence here. But the message that Tudor has drove home with Tucker last night. If I got asked to do a retreat last month for... Uh, just outside at a, at a resort just outside of D.C. for the comms directors for the members of the House Freedom, Ca- Freedom Caucus. And I got asked to go in there and basically be uh, their Frank Luntz, but, you know, not bought off by Big Pharma, essentially. And it just, and I, I mean, I tried to, you know, work my schedule as best as I could because they asked me with one week's notice. Uh, I tried to work my schedule as best as I could to make it work. And with everything going on, I just couldn't make it work. So I, I didn't get a chance to do it. Let me tell you what I would say to them, because since they're members of Congress, they're up for reelection in every cycle, every two years. So all of the all of the members that they work for over there at the House Freedom Caucus would all be up for reelection here in three and a half weeks. Um, let me tell you what I would say to them. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, I have, I've shared this as well with some people I know that are close to a couple of candidates like Tudor Dixon. There is no need, in my view, there is no need to continue to hammer the economic message. That's already baked into the line. Everybody... If, because here's the thing, if the economy is as bad as, as our ad is going to say, isn't everybody already feeling that? You know what I'm saying? You're yeah. hammering that message every time you go to the grocery store. Correct. Correct. Now, give me the composite of the voter was like, well, hey, Ma. Well, I'll be, I'll be pooped. I didn't know. The prices went up 485%. I wasn't feeling that at all. I mean, I, I totally didn't realize it was six bucks a gallon for the diesel and I couldn't afford to take the kids to Disney this year. I had no idea. Thank you, RNC, for your, for your commercial two weeks before the election to inform me of such things. Is there, tell me, and because of that, and I previously did not know these things, so because of that, I votes for you. Tell me who that is. There's 360 million live beings in this country right now. Did I just describe any of them? Any of them? Did I describe any of them? No, any but your Creole is fantastic. Did you like it though? It was kind of morphing into several different dialects, uh, and then I was starting to lose my voice, so I just settled into what wasn't going to make me cough. You had me at hello. 
<laughs> it wasn't intentional one way or the other. It was just kind of, it was an amorphous blob, you know, it was a social construct like gender. So such a lie being does not exist. Right? I mean, they've already bought that message. That's why you're plus six on the generic ballot. Of course, plus five, I should say, according to the New York Times. That's it. I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need you to keep reminding me of that. I got that. If, if I'm looking to close a sale, like a Cary Lake or a Blake Masters in Arizona, if I'm looking to make the sale, like a, like a Tudor Dixon in Michigan, it's not because of a lack of knowledge of the economic calamity we are currently facing that you have failed to do so yet with those voters. It's because they're listening and they're interested but you haven't offered them the thing that trips their trigger yet. In my view, and this is what I would have said if I could have done this retreat a few weeks ago, and it's what I have said privately to some people that I have come to me and I've talked to that are close with candidates, like Tudor Dixon, for example. Everyone with an R after their name in America, and it's rare, all right? There are not a lot of issues, maybe outside of the economic issues, where you could just say, regardless of the, if you have any chance to win at all, regardless of the demographics of the state, the voter ID of the state, okay, this message will resonate, which is one of the reasons why they focus on economic messages so much, is because that is something that hits everybody, you know, where, they, where it counts, right? All right? You, there, you can't say that an abortion message that will play in, 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 um, in Florida for Ron DeSantis will play in New York for Lee Zeldin. You can't say that, for example, right. okay? So that's, that, there is a reason. It's not just that they hate us and sell us out. That's the real reason. But if, even if that weren't true, there would be intellectually honest reasons why they run on certain themes every time because they are there are certain themes that impact everybody regardless of your beliefs or your the demographics of the voters that they're trying to reach this is one time where there is there's an extra culture issue out there that does the same thing because there is not a lie being in this country that wants creeps who ought to be in a freaking padded cell or in a prison hole right now getting buttercupped by Adebisi or Schillinger there is no such being that would even contemplate no matter what the state of the economy was ever voting Republican in their lives who is for that you see what I'm trying to say yeah no one no one there is not a mom or dad in New York there is not a mom or dad in California there's not a mom and dad or Georgia there's not a mom or dad in Kansas there's not a mom and dad or Michigan nowhere in America anyone that you have any chance of winning any chance of persuading that wants their kids subjected to that depravity no one anyone who's okay with it anyone who has no opinion on it you weren't ever winning them anyway My advice would be the national message would be that. And I would pound that point home for two reasons. One, it depresses their black base. I mean, we sat here and did how many shows during the 2020 cycle about how Pete Buttigieg was never going to be the Democratic nominee. Why? Because who was never supporting him? Black voters. They tend to be actually more socially conservative than whites. So you, 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 you cement the depression of their base. 
Number two, you confirm and cement the migration of, of, of Hispanics to your base. Because I can just tell you from a buddy of mine, as I've mentioned before, who was doing on-the-ground Hispanic outreach in one of the key battleground states in this cycle. Number one issue on the board is that one. Followed closely by crime in the border. So both of those issues would apply for you in this case. And number three, you take those suburban white women and you drive a wedge between Karen and the other one who just says, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't, it's not, I'm not for that, you know, but I, I don't want to be divisive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You rub her freaking nose in it and you force her to make a choice. You don't let her off that easy. You put the millstone around Karen's neck. She's never voting for you anyway. And then you give some of those other white women who should be voting for you. You so disgust them that you force them to get off the fence and make a choice. That's why you do it. It's a no lose. You don't lose. There is no blowback here. Listen, I'm, uh, I don't, I like that J.D. Vance clip. I don't like what he's saying about abortion because I'm a pro-life without any exceptions guy because all those exceptions are people I know and love. But I also am not an idiot. I understand that there are large places in America where Republicans could win, that it would turn off voters they might otherwise get with an abortion, no exception message. Now, if I were running, I'd do it anyway. I'd just take it upon myself to convince you of why I'm right or give you other reasons to vote for me. But this issue, though, has no blowback. There is no blowback. There is no one who will say, you know, the economy sucks so bad, I was going to vote for GOP, but now that they don't want a guy dropping his hairy nutsack on my kid's face at the elementary school, I'm just going to have to tap out and take another 485% of inflation next year. No one, no one, no one, no one. That person does not exist. Doesn't exist. There is no negative here. None. And to me, that's your closing sale. Everybody with a D after their name is a groomer. Every last freaking one of them. All of them. Until proven otherwise. Thoughts? You had me at... Hello for the second time today. Listen, she actually has the secret sauce there when she talks about... uh, She knows what's going on in Dearborn in her own backyard. If she wants to, I think there's somebody here who wants, she's desperate in some level, and as a lot of people are, like, I, I just don't want to be called the, the certain names. You, listen, you can talk about true diversity. You can say in Durban, Michigan, true diversity is coming together for the singular purpose of stopping what Steve just says, these demonic groomers. So you can actually have, you can have your cake and eat it too because of how the people are stepping up. It's happening organically. You, I talk about getting on coattails all the time on the show. Get on these coattails, Tudor. Uh, you can't, I agree, absolutely agree with Steve. You don't have to manufacture anything. It's right there, prepackaged for you. You have the warrior spirit in your own state. They want you to lead, so go do it. The progressive movement, now the spirit of the age in the United States, has followed Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals to a T for my entire life and uh, generation before I even, you know, began to exist on this uh, on this astral plane. Um, 
And one of the things that they have done effectively, and I don't need to tell you that because if you've spent five minutes sharing your political views, if you're a conservative on Twitter, you've been called a racist, misogynistic, homophobic bigot. Define your opponent before they can define themselves or define you. They do that to a T, except it's all based on lies. Imagine, if you will, us doing that, except it's not based on lies. Imagine branding your opponents truthfully as the groomers that they are. Imagine how effective that is. Imagine that. Well, you don't really have to imagine because you saw what happened. You've already seen what's happening. They hate that. They hate that because they know it's true. Mm -hmm. They know it's true. It's effective when you brand somebody, even if it's based on a lie. It's effective. As Todd was just saying, so many Republicans don't want to be called racist, don't want to be called blah, 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 blah. It's effective. Even though it's based on a lie, it's effective. Imagine if it was based on the truth, though. And the fact of the matter is, as that mom at the Encinitas Union school board meeting the other day said, y'all are groomers. Y'all are groomers. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. It's effective when you brand them before they can brand themselves or brand you, especially when it's based in truths and not lies. If you are running in any partisan election this year, I don't care if it's mayor, city council, school board, school superintendent, state legislature, state senate, governor, U.S. Senate, Congress. If you are running in any partisan election this year, anywhere in America, you should be labeling your Democrat opponent that level of groomer. That's exactly what you should be doing. You should hang the millstone of these depraved, demonic Romans, one's fiends around their necks, regardless of location and regardless of the office. Well, we don't have too many options these days, unfortunately, to avoid doing business with entities that hate us, which is why when the opportunity, rare as it may be, uh, actually arises, please take full advantage of it. And the good news is one of the rare places just so happens to be with a product that all of us need to use here in modern society. That's our mobile phones. You can make the switch today with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They handle both personal and business accounts. You won't likely miss any coverage because pretty much everybody has the same coverage these days because pretty much everybody has the same coverage maps but you will um, miss not having the guilt of knowing you gave your money up front to people trying to end your way of life they've got an outstanding customer service team i know what you're thinking because i thought it for a long time too i mean we talked about patreon mobile on this show for a couple of years before i finally made the switch with my own family and it was about this time last year final the final straw for me is when t-mobile said they were going to start editing uh texts on COVID that they uh, didn't approve of. And that's finally when I just said, okay, we got to, I got to tap out. I'm out of here. And I thought it was going to be a big hassle. Their customer service team handled us masterfully. Then I thought maybe, you know, like in those uh, Aaron Rodgers commercials, those Pat Mahomes commercials, maybe I got the Steve Dace professional client, you know, A1 service. But I've heard from so many of you that you got great service as well when you made the switch. So make the switch today to Patriot Mobile. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They'll give you bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For everybody else, free activation with the offer code Steve today when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve or call them at 972-PATRIOT. The name of the book, Gone Viral. How COVID Drove the World Insane, written by Justin Hart, who was one of the OGs and the very 
first days at the uh, the emergence and advent of what we call on this show COVID Stan. He is the author. He joins us again here on the show. It is good to have you back, Justin. Congratulations on the book, brother. How are you? Uh, thanks, Steve. It's been quite the ride, right? Quite the journey over the last two years. Thanks for uh, being a voice of sanity, too, and giving voice to uh, our sort of sane analysis of this crazy pandemic that drove so many people insane. And, and likewise, I mean, thank uh, people like you and uh, others at Rational Ground and places like that to put so much of that great data and, con- and content out there that I got to hopefully amplify with our platform. And then people gave me the credit for when you guys did a lot of that work as well. So thank you very much for that. So I'm I'm curious, why the title Gone Viral as opposed to Gone Crazy, uh, uh, Gone to Hell, Gone Insane? Why Gone Viral? Well, you know, back in the the 1600s, in the 17th century, there was a real plague uh, that uh, hoisted upon Milan, Italy, and they had to deal with the crazy there as well. And uh, an author who later revisited all the journals across uh, that time period came back and said, the thought of the virus persuaded and infected the minds more than the virus ever did, right? Mm. And I think that's the whole thing. This was a pandemic of fear. That's the part that went viral and drove people insane. Uh, Just think about your own experience and how you might go to your local grocery store. I know I did here in San Diego, very blue San Diego, and everyone was masked up at the nth degree, at the top of the pandemic. But if I went 15 miles inland, towards God's country in Poway, right? They would maybe be 20% masked, right? So your pandemic was a very localized experience based on the panic of the school board or the county board or the state. Uh, And it was such a crazy scene as we opened up Pandora's box to the 50 states, the 3,200 county health directors in the 13,000 school districts. That's the story we tell in the book. And the book is set up really for those who deep in their bones have known over the last two years that the the pandemic uh, interventions, the quarantines, the mandates, the lockdowns were not only ineffective, but very harmful. But it's also designed for those who are just starting their journey. Look, it's a it's a really tough thing for people who have sacrificed so much over these last two years to finally own up and start recognizing that, yeah, maybe all that chaos really wasn't worth it. So we lay it out so that you can give this book to your neighbor. You know, that that one neighbor who's still double masked alone hmm. in their car. Right, Steve? Indeed. Um, although I'm kind of at the point now of no longer pitying those people, but mocking them, but maybe you're nicer than me. Uh, to that end, there is a preprint study that came out yesterday uh, from jo- Dr. John uh, Ioannidis over at Stanford University, about seven, eight hours to the north of you. One of the top five medical schools in the country. And it's a further, and he, he is uh, one of the heads of the uh, population health department there at Stanford. So studying macro global trends and, and you know, public health and, and the data trends, those, that's what he does. And he came out with his um, updated estimated infection fatality rates for COVID-19 pre-jab, before the jab right. emerged, okay? Uh, zero to 19-year-olds, 0.0003%. Uh, 20 to 29 year olds, 0.003%. 30 to 39 year olds, 0.011%. 40 to 49 year olds, my demographic, 0.035%. 50 to 59 year olds, 0.129%. 60 to 69 year olds, uh, 0.501%, which means we have to get to 60 year olds before we even get to an infection fatality ratio uh, or a likely recovery ratio below 99.5%. 
when you see those kinds of numbers in light of everything you've covered over the last two years and everything you just said on the show, your reaction is what? That was the top myth, right? The the risk that they perpetrated with their main tool, our health overlords, which was fear-mongering, right, was really the element that, that took everyone by surprise. Even now, they did a poll just recently, Democrats, Republicans, and I think that one out of every 10 Democrats thought that 10, oh no, no, I'm sorry, it was like 30 or 40% of Democrats thought that one out of 10 people who got COVID would die, right? And those are the stats that have been bumping around in our brains. And no wonder you would try to hide your kids and mm-hmm. hide your wife and hide your family from this thing mm-hmm. if that's what you understood. But we've known that number for a very long time. In fact, you know, John is uh, the most cited living scientist, right? And he went through early on and he had a really good, easy way. We came up with a poster for this, which is if you're under the age of 65, your risk for COVID is about the same as your risk of dying on your way to work, right? The big challenge here, especially when you look at our kids, and as you mentioned from the stats, you'd have to get to about 300,000 or 500,000 infections of anyone under the age of 18 before you'd see a single death, right? Uh, We just put so many burdens on them. You and I were adults. We're going to deal with the politics. They shut down our business. They shut down our gym. Yeah, we you know, we put on that COVID-19, a lot of us, right? Uh, but the the kids, right, they, they don't get those years back. And, and I talk about my my daughter who, uh, who was in preschool. Teacher comes up to us and says, I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I, I cannot get these kids pronounce the letter H through a mask. And, and that's the devastation that we wrought. You see it now in the test scores and everything else. So this, this book is really kind of a weapon, a defense against those tactics, which really damaged us. Because you can bet that if they have their opportunity, they're going to bring these tactics back up. If it's not for uh, you know COVID, it'll be for the next pandemic or the next you know big imagined boogeyman, such as, you know let's say, climate change, right? Mm-hmm. They can use those same lockdown tactics. And uh, they're very happy that a lot of people sort of coalesced and and folded and went along with the game. So for our audience, they're going to be well aware of that. And they're going to be well aware of any further discussion you and I have. It'll be familiar territory to them. So let's challenge you and I's collective um, preconceptions here. Because one of the things I am concerned about, and maybe this was irrevocable because of the amount of integrity that they wasted in this process, is we are now in a, in, a, in a position as a society, Justin, where I can pretty much tell how someone is going to vote mm-hmm. on the basis of their slavish devotion to public health decrees that have no basis of evidence whatsoever. That's not a good position, by the way. It doesn't speak well of your future as a cohesive culture. And it also creates a problem where maybe the one time one time they're not the boy who cried wolf, but they're Jor-El on Krypton. And we don't want to listen because we've been lied to so many times. And the next thing you know, the planet explodes, right? So what was not honest, what was sincere? Over the last 31 months, in your view... What was yeah. what was actually sincere, even if we would not have agreed with it, sure. but it was sincere. Was any of it? Did any of it come from a good place? Was any of it sincere at all? Look, I, I think there are there are ways to interpret this. I always say with my team, what is the kindest interpretation of what we saw? Right. Mm-hmm. And I went to, as you know, at Rational Ground, we were the main data team behind Dr. Atlas when he was at the White House trying to write the ship there. And I remember going to Dr. Atlas. I said, hey, um, you know, maybe the reason they're not turning this thing around, they're not listening to you, is they're just they're having trouble saving face, right? That's a natural human reaction to this thing. And he said, 
not Justin, these people are dumb. You just need to know that they are dumb. I said, oh no, we're lost, right? But you look at our hospitals, for example, and a lot of people put um, a chagrin on our, our health industry, right? They've taken it on the chin. The trust we have in them is really lost all the way up and down the, the aisle there. But if you look at like a hospital administrator and we now have the, the data, right? We, we saw the death certificates, uh, 86 year old woman uh, falls from a height, broken femur, diabetes, tested for COVID, COVID death, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. wh why did that happen, right? Well, you think about these these hospital administrators who they shut down the most profitable parts of their business, which is barely hanging on, right? These elective surgeries. And so if you were a hospital administrator worth your salt, you wanted to keep your people employed, but also keep yourself alive. And so you said, what's the widest possible range that I can cast to get you know some of this COVID reimbursement now that the government shut down my most profitable parts of my business? But all in all, it's very far and few between to find some authentic, honest sort of reactions. The public's reaction was honest enough. I think it was like 20%, you know, you and I and your team and your listeners here who were like, look, I know deep in my bones these quarantines, these lockdowns, these mandates were the wrong way to go and really impactful. But I think there was a, another like 60% in between of people like, look, I, I really don't want to get into the fight. That's understandable. Mm -hmm. When you look at these college kids who are the last bastion of all of these mandates, right? And they go dutifully on campus with all these masks and these shots and everything else there. And the reason why is, look, they could be canceled in an instant by their peers. A picture on Instagram of them not wearing a mask in an area and you're ostracized, right? The risk is, is very, very difficult when you take a picture and you don't know if you're talking to your friend or to a billion people out there that are going to lambast you. And so I understand that feeling. That's the authentic fear that I think we have to help other people overcome. Like I said, there's the people that know this and there's the people that are just starting their journey back from the dark and, and want to sort of understand. But it's a, it's a difficult thing to stomach that all the sacrifices you made, all the sacrifices you put on your kids, all the fear, all the years lost was worth nothing. Because when you look at, as we say, the data between California, where they locked down my, they, they padlocked my kid's swing set at the local park. And you look at Florida, which was relatively open from even the late spring 2020, and their age-adjusted mortality rate, that is the number of deaths per infections and everything else there as a population is almost exactly the same. And that's, that's hard to stomach for a lot of people. I've got just over a minute here for this last question, brother. Where, where do we go from here from a public health perspective? Well, or is it, irre is is a, it irrevocably yeah. broken? Well, we have to take off the, the top heads. I mean, there's just no way that this can survive with Fauci and the rest of them there. They, they have to bow out. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Sort of, you know, uh, he's going to retire, but that's going to be much. But we got, uh, you know, this election coming up. If it does turn a specific way, I have it on good authority. Next year, there will be hearings. We hope to produce um, both from this book and from otherwise the articles of inquiry, which will let people know, here's what you need to ask the people. We need transparency and we need some recompense. We need to understand that uh, our kids are, are really going to take it on the chin over this thing. And we need to, to make sure that they're taken care of in the right way. Name of the book, Gone Viral. 
how COVID drove the world insane from Justin Hart. His team uh, over there at Rational Ground, frankly, did a not insignificant amount of work digging up the data that a lot of you probably gave me too much credit for uh, because, hey, I did some of my own work, but I borrowed plenty of theirs as well. They Steve, do, you were great. Thank uh, you. Well, I appreciate that. Very kind. I, I, we get, I'm fine with the Mutual Admiration Society. I just want to make sure you guys get the credit that you deserve as well. Uh, get the book today. Great work, Justin. And Next year, I hope that you are right. One of the primary aims of this show will be to ensure that you are. So good to see you, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. You bet. Thoughts on that conversation? I've shared a story before, but it's been a long time. Uh, when I first met my now father-in-law, so well over 20 years ago, and we were starting to figure out who each other was, he gave me an article in Forbes magazine about the top 10 ways the world could end. And it was biological, things like that. And the last one, though, was mass insanity. Mm. And that's exactly what this book is getting at. That story out of Milan, even back then, there's nothing new under the sun. It was the mental and the psychological and the emotional disease that was the true virus. Uh, I mean, until we get that and stop anointing all of our emotions and our fears, whether it's this virus, whether it's gender, blah, 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 we, we, we have no hope of fixing what ails us. Fantastic premise for writing this book. As you've repeated on numerous occasions, Steve, what happened in early 2020 and then continues to persist in some pockets to this day was not an outlier. It was a reaping. It was a harvest. We were ripe for this as a culture, as a society, as a church for a long time. Again, borrowing from what Todd says as well, addicted to our comfort for so long, addicted to our comfort for so long. Comfort. It was actually comfort that allowed us to go to the depths that we went to. We were so addicted to that comfort. We knew we will. We, 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 well, we thought we were tricked into believing we we're always going to have a safety net, always going to have a safety net. So why not? Why not press pause on the economy? Why not shut down schools? Why not pause elective procedures? Why not, uh, why not uh, shut down the hospitals for anything other than uh, COVID? Why not do that? You know, we've, 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 our largesse is what did us in. I thought it was going to be the thing that kind of got us out of the lockdowns, as I've repeated too. Mm-hmm. But it, no, it was what did us in. We are so addicted to our comfort. We have so much largesse that we enjoy and have enjoyed for so many generations that our comfortable, our comfortability, if that's even a word, that's what did us in. As you were talking, I was looking over a thread I just saw from our old buddy ethical skeptic that just got tweeted out. Looking at the cancer data, basically since the introduction of the jab. He calls it a, quote, nine sigma cancer event, statistically. Quote, this is criminal activity. Talking about both the causing of the cancerous event, but the way that CDC has tried to shift the data around to hide it at the exact same time. I mean. This is ethical skeptic. What, is, what does the word criminal mean in the original Greek? I believe it means criminal. If I've okay, yes, yeah, okay. is that what I want to make sure yeah. criminal? Yeah, I mean, I it just I, I would love for people to repent. Anybody lining up to do that? It seems now they're doubling down. So, guess then what we need 
trials, trials and, and execution.com. That's all we need. Not going to repent. So be it. Trials and execution it is then. That's what we need. Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, my daughter Anastasia, will be joining us here in just a few minutes as well. Uh, You can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can also follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, and because Anna's here, I actually remember to say, Instagram and TikTok as well, at Steve Dace Show there. You can find me on Trump's Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, at Real Steve Dace. And then get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Thanks to all of you that are podcast listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please, if you have yet to do so, show your appreciation for us by leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Hit subscribe or follow as well. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. And if you have a question that you'd like to have considered in an upcoming Ask Me Anything, one good way to have that question considered is to embed it into your brand new five-star review and then it will go to the front of the line for consideration by Todd. Part two of the Steve Day Show, or hour two, uh, brought to you by, to lead it off, our friends over at Bonner Private Wine. These are families that have been doing wine uh, the old-fashioned way. Vineyards uh, upwards of over 9,000 feet of altitude, deep in the Andes Mountains, some of the best Malbec grapes in the world. That's why these are some of the best red wines in the world. And they want to make their sweet offer at Bonner Private Wines even sweeter for you. Right now, I mean, you'll still get the same deal you always have got. Uh, from them, which is half off the wine and half off the shipping. And they come in packs of three. But now you get a bonus bottle of small batch limited production wine from their exclusive wine cellar. So this exact same deal now is for four bottles instead of three, half off the wine and half off the shipping. When you visit bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve to become a part of America's most unique wine club at Bonner Private Wines dot com slash steve coming up at the bottom of this hour a pop culture tuesday that i know a lot of you including yours truly have waited an awful long time for all right we will have a bit of that conversation coming up here at the bottom of the hour fake news or not coming your way here in just a few minutes but we welcome in as we do each tuesday at this time my oldest Anastasia, good to see you, Princess. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dad? I'm I'm a little nervous because this never happens. All right. If you are not um if you are not uh, an offspring of my DNA, I would not permit it because Todd will tell you if I don't know who's coming on or what we're talking about, we don't do it. Like if what happens, Todd, if a guest is like two minutes late and we don't know for sure if they're gonna be on, what happens? They're not on. They're not on. Yeah, I don't, I don't like going on the air. The only thing I want to not know when we go on the air is what I'm going to say. <laughs> All right. But I don't want to not know who's going to be on or what we're going to be talking about. But because it is you, I do not know what we'll be doing and what we're going to be talking about this week. So, well, thank you. F- thank you for trusting me. I, well, 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 don't thank me yet. Let's, let's see if it pays off. So, sweetie, the floor is yours. What are we doing this week? Well, I'm getting married on Sunday. Um, I'm very excited. 
and I thought in honor so flashback so everybody really liked the daughter quiz and so I was trying to figure out you know what do we do next and I was like in honor of me getting married we need to do a who knows their wife better quiz oh no so I reached out to all of your wives including Aaron's oh no to do a who knows their wife better quiz. Same questions for the do- as the daughter one. You can only, guys, Aaron, you've not been married long enough to know this, but Todd, you know, you can only lose this. There is oh, no winning here. Even if I lost last week, Ainsley is six hours away now. I, I, like, God, I'm going home after this. This is true. That's why you can only lose this. That's exactly right. You can only lose this. Yes. And a lot of people said I was giving you hints. I, I had no idea what we were going to do. And you I, know what I thought we were, if I had to guess, I figured that you had worked on some kind of, you know, your oldest daughter, your princess is getting married, sort of emotional montage to try to see if you can get me to break down on the air. I, that's no, what because I thought if you, you were didn't, going that'd to be do. really awkward. Okay. Because that, that's, <laughs> what, I, really that's what I was kind of bracing myself for and yeah. thought you were going to do. This is far worse than that. <laughs> right? I'm far, now I'm really nervous. Now I'm very intimidated. Yes. Okay. So yeah, same questions as last week, and so we'll start. Oh, no. Oh, no. Same oh, things. No. We're going to start with Aaron. Okay. Okay? Let me make sure. Let me make sure you can't see the, the answers there. Aaron, what is your wife's favorite food? Oh, man. Uh, who hot? Okay. Todd, what is your wife's favorite food? Pizza. Okay. Dad, what is my mother's favorite oh my food? <laughs> Just well played. adding it on. Just adding it on. Uh, meatloaf. Okay. Todd, everybody had voted that you were going to win this. So far, they're correct. Um, Aaron, Isabella said peanut butter. Okay, I can see that. Uh, sushi or pizza for Todd's wife. And dad, mom said tacos. I know. Which that is not of, her favorite food. I know. You know I gave you know I gave the right answer because you cried as a child whenever it was put on the table. Literally, I know. When, when, I know. When she Amy said put talk. meatloaf on the this table, this is fun. Aaron, or, <laughs> Anna would literally cry. She would break down and cry. Did you not at the dinner table? Because an aroma would fill the home. I love meatloaf. Love Have it. you ever known tacos to be your mom's favorite? No, food? I'm. With, I'm. Trust me. She sent me that, and I. I wrote it down. Come on, man. Now, now I know I'm being set up. It's not her favorite food. How many times we've gone out to eat and she's asked for tacos? Like, almost never. All right? Hate the game, not the player. Come on, man. God bless you, Amy Dace. Okay. Aaron, what is your wife's favorite movie? Pulp Fiction. Okay. Todd, what is your wife's favorite movie? Princess Bride. Kate, Dad, what is my mother's favorite movie? If this one isn't right, I'm calling an attorney after the show. (laughs) All right? Somewhere in time. If she gave you another answer, then I know I am being set up here on my own show, and I will be angry. Somewhere in time is correct. Okay. All right. Okay. Aaron, Isabella said The Room. The Room is Isabella's favorite movie? Yeah, we That's watched, pretty watched dark that. material. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, you're thinking of a different movie. Oh, it's not The Room, that one movie? The, the, room? the room. It is called The Room. I think Todd is thinking of like a horror movie. It's The Abduction. I, I thought think, it was yeah, where they were abducted, where they're, where they're abducted they, in there. Like, yeah. yeah. Different, in different The Room. This is a cult. This is a cult classic. Okay. Oh. Okay. And then, uh, Todd, your wife said the live action Cinderella. Oh, uh, yeah. 
close. See how Todd handles it? Todd's just calm. He's like, yeah, get her next because time. Because his wife I, didn't lie with her answer in the first question <laughs> the way mine did. You know that's you know when you when your mom gave you that answer, you're like, oh, you know you were calling that. Come on, tacos. Get actually, out of here. Actually, I think my wife is going to be mad at herself for not saying that. I don't think she'll be mad at me because that's the movie. She was her favorite movie when we first met. But time, you know, time marches on. There's new films. But I think she might actually be mad at herself. Oh, see, look at that. Hi. Is, that I win. Was, I'm that winning. Was, that was some of the most abhorrent mansplaining I've ever seen, and I loved it. I absolutely love Let me tell this little woman what her favorite movie actually is. Yes. Be angry with yourself, Jill. Anyways. Love you, babe. <laughs> okay, Aaron. What did Isabella say her biggest fear was? Oh, goodness. Um... Man, she doesn't really have that many biggest fears. She doesn't have any. Okay. Todd, what did Jill say her biggest fear was? Just happened this morning, going out to the garage. She's like, this is why I always do it. She hates bugs, spiders, stuff like that. Okay. There are, there are several answers that would, acquire, that would apply to your mom. I'm, I'm going to say uh, drowning. Extended periods of time underwater. Okay. <laughs> so, um... Don't, don't. Aaron, Isabella said her biggest I can't fear. get your mom to watch aquatic <laughs> shows or movies because she can't even handle the visual of people she doesn't know pretending to be drowning underwater, okay? Aaron, Isabella said her biggest fear is being confined in a small space that she can't escape. That's, and she, that, she said you would know that that was it. That's very kind of her. She doesn't have any biggest fears, though. See how I'm playing this, guys? I Take notes. I, I see you. I got you. Yeah. All right. Todd is correct. Joe said bugs in the house, specifically spiders yeah. and millipede things. Yes. <laughs> millipede things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Approximates. Oh, yes. gosh. And dad, originally mom. <laughs> Don't. Originally, mom said drowning, and then she changed her answer and said something happening to the family. I could have gone with that too. I'm I think okay he with gets. That. I yeah. think he gets. Don't half get a mad point. at that one. No, no, yeah, no. Because I have, remember I said that I could see several things, and that would be one of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Aaron. What did Isabella say her favorite place that you two have traveled together is? Have traveled together? Oh, it's got to be Orlando. Okay. Todd, what did Jill say is her this, favorite place you've traveled to together? This is legitimately tough. I am I don't know that one is automatically because everywhere she goes with me yeah, well, is a fantastic yeah. place. Yeah. Costco. Right, Costco. <laughs> <laughs> did can you give me a sec? Is that uh, I, I think I I'll go next. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna say okay. the trip that we took this last year for our anniversary to Las Vegas. Okay. It could be anything. So since it's top of mind, we were just talking about this as a family. Uh, our family trip, I think it was the year right before I started here, but we took a f our first family trip to uh, South Dakota. Okay. All three of you are correct. Nice. Oh. All right. This is the last question. I honestly don't know what the score is. I know <laughs> I I've, gotten only I've gotten two right, but it should have been three. All right. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Todd, what did Isabella say her favorite TV show is? 
You mean Aaron? Aaron. Yeah, Todd, Todd, you answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> then it could get really weird. Want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. All right. Yes. No, I meant... Wife's off. Oh, well, they know the man's wife. Yeah, yes. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Aaron, go ahead. Oh, man, her favorite television show. This one is actually legitimately hard. I think it's probably The Office. It's that or Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. <laughs> I know. That's a wide range of we, content. We are great for each other. We have very eclectic tastes. Okay. Yes. There's been a couple times the last two weeks where you've done, there's been an or answer. There's two genres. It would either be some kind of home show. Okay. But, or I think the middle. Okay. Dad? I mean, I, to me, the, the potential answers to this are... The Steve Day Show. Voluminous. Ah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I'm trying to think of what it would be, because I could come up with like 15 of them, um, depending on something she enjoyed watching with you guys when you were little, um, something we enjoyed watching together, something she enjoyed before you know we met when she was growing up. Um. Say it. <laughs> Say I'm, it. I'm the Jeopardy music. You know what? I'm going to go with the show I've seen her watch more often than any other. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Hoarders. Okay. I don't even remember the last time mom put on Hoarders, but all right. You have not Let's... lived in my home for over a year. <laughs> I know, but okay. Okay. Well. okay. Isabella's favorite TV show was The Office or Parks and Rec or... Friends. That's not fair. Uh, actually, no, that gives me a better chance. I was going yeah. to say Parks and Rec or Friends. Too. Sadly, what did Aaron say? What, what's his, what? He said The Office or the Dallas Cowboy, Cowboy Cheerleaders. Cheerleaders. Yes. Making the cut. Oh, okay. oh, that show. I thought you just meant like YouTube compilation. Oh, no, I no, thought no, maybe no. Aaron was conflating <laughs> I didn't even... her favorite shows with his, if you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Okay. I didn't. Uh, okay. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what the. I see. I don't even. I wasn't even paying attention. I don't know what this, the, the name of the show <laughs> now he's is. trying to cover himself. Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful. Cheerleaders. Like... I've never even heard of them. I mean, I just don't even know what those are. <laughs> Who are the I don't Cowboys? see cheerleaders. I mean, I'm blind. I don't see them. Okay, yeah. Todd, your wife said HTV renovation show or the middle. So oh, he was spot double. on. Double. Doubled up, people. I'm, I'm guessing based on your tone of Dad? voice. That was a spoiler. I, I was wrong. Her favorite show, which I knew before she even texted me back because she's talked about it for years, ever since I can't remember, <laughs> is Criminal Minds. Yeah. Not hoarders. Okay, that ranks. I, those that would the be disdain in Anna's voice. Yeah, I know. Not hoarders. She, she is a shame. Not only is he wrong, but then you immediately scold she him. She prefers from a, serial killers, <laughs> not degenerates who don't clean their home. What kind of a father are you? Yes. But you act like she watched it like every every Friday. She's like, let's tune into hoarders, but <laughs> she did. Fair enough. Anna, you can come back anytime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Princess. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right, let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure. The best-selling Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier uses proven oxy technology that quickly destroys lots of little critters in the air, odors, mold. Uh, viruses, so much more. Uh, whether it's litter boxes, trash cans, smoke, dirty diapers, whatever is going on in your home from a smell perspective that you think, I, I cannot beat this thing. It has met its match with the Eden Pure air purifier. We've gotten so many positive notes from the audience 
with those who have tried this product in their homes right now we've got a special offer if you want to be the next get the three pack unit or the pack of three units i should say get the packet of three units for under 200 bucks that's three for uh, the packet of three for under 200 bucks when you use the promo code steve three get that for the pack of three uh code steve three at edenpuredeals.com code steve three at edenpuredeals.com code steve three at edenpuredeals.com and they'll even throw in Free shipping for you as well when you do with EdenPureDeals.com, code Steve3. All right, gentlemen, let's get to some fake news or not. And I want to share and walk us through this Twitter thread. In fact, I'm just going to go through it for a few minutes here and then get you guys' reaction. All right. In light of Pfizer's own admission last week that the jab was never intended to stop transmission, Here is a compilation from an RN, a compilation bringing the receipts of vitriol and media complicity of the last two years. Headline, Washington Post, September 15th, 2021, remaining unvaccinated in public should be considered as bad as drunk driving. From the story, the choice to remain unvaccinated is equivalent to driving while intoxicated. Uh, both causes, both are causes of severe bodily harm and largely preventable. Both are individual decisions and societal consequences. Here is Dr. Leanna Wynn on CNN, someone who was a frequent highlight in Aaron's montage over that course of period of time. Uh, when elaborated, that society has, quote, an obligation to prevent, unquote, the unvaccinated from leaving their homes and infecting others. Society has an obligation to deter drunk drivers. So there's that comparison yet again. Also, don't forget the blatant lies from Pfizer. I wonder how Janine Small felt about this tweet or when all the real world evidence clearly showed that this was not going to prevent COVID-19, as Pfizer said, especially when the vaxxed slashed boosted CEO still got COVID. The the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has not been approved for license by the US FDA, but has been authorized for emergency use to prevent COVID-19 in individuals 16 plus. Pfizer tweeted that on January 26th, 2021. Albert Borla, their horse doctor CEO, tweeted on April 1st, 2021, excited to share the updated analysis of our phase three study with BioNTech shows that the COVID-19 vaccine was 100% effective in preventing cases in South Africa, 100% certainly sounds like they're claiming it prevented mm-hmm. infections to me. Uh, I would like Albert Borla again on August 15th, 2022. I would like to let you know that I have tested positive for COVID-19. I'm thankful to have received four doses of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. And I am feeling well while experiencing minor or mild symptoms, and I have started a course, a course of Paxlovid. I thought that was for only uh, serious cases, by the way. Now on to the disgusting rhetoric. These COVIDian sociopaths were actually so comfortable and naive thinking they were sitting atop a moral throne that they were proud to publicly announce that they would laugh in the face of your dying loved ones. Here's a blue check mark named James Newberry. Uh, I would like to come visit you in the hospital so my vaccinated self can laugh in your loyal loved one's face. Let's skip ahead to this one with Howard Stern. Howard Stern says hospitals should turn away anti-vaxxers. You're going to go home and die. God bless Howard Stern saying what just about every ER and ICU healthcare professional in the country 
is thinking. A common theme, the dehumanization of an entire group of people calling on others to lose all empathy regarding the death of fellow human beings, all because of one medical decision. The mocking of their deaths, their deaths are funny, their selfish cretins, selfish COVID cretins. Here, here is, it's actually used in a tweet from a blue check mark. Here's Vice News. We might as well admit it. A lot of the people don't care if anti-vaxxers die anymore. If anything, they think it is funny. This goes on for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, thirteen more tweets are in this thread. And I promise you, there could have been dozens more. Dozens more. And we have AP and Reuters out there trying to claim that it was never claimed. It was never claimed that this would prevent the transmission of the virus. So, gentlemen, one of two things is true here. Either that is true, or then the media that never fact-check Borla, how many public officials, including the President of the United States, who claimed if you got the jab, you would not get or spread COVID, how many of these claims were made for well over a year, never fact-checked by the same media. So someone's the fraudster here. Someone's the fraudster here. Either the government and Big Pharma that conspired to create something that never inoculated you as a traditional vaccine and yet tried to force it on you and poison you with it anyway, or the media that allowed them to get away with every one of their multiple dozens, months and months worths of claims, years worth of claims at this point, that it actually did prevent and stop the spread of COVID. Someone is a fraudster here. Maybe even both, Todd. Steve... You've known me for a long time. Uh, what was my job before I came to work for you? You were the religion editor, if I recall, at the Des Moines Register. Des Moines Register. Yeah. So that's where journalism is magical and not at all broken comes from. And what was I even before COVID came along? And proudly so. What am I? Uh, you were one of those dreaded anti-vaxxers. Yeah. So you're that at- I found kind of weird. But then since I had gotten vaccinated, I really wasn't so much concerned about getting bad stuff from you. So I let you sit next to me all these years. So you're asking- Because I was taught that's yes. how vaccines work. Yes. Yeah. So you're asking me to pick who's the bigger fraud, journalism or big pharma. Uh, you've officially broke me. I can't. I, I, you asked me to do an impossible task. But actually, the answer is you could not. It's both, but it's not a dodge. Uh, I loathe them both equally, but neither one could get away with doing what they do without the other. This mm-hmm. is truly a symbiotic relationship. Listen, uh, Big Pharma, absolutely. If we had anything resembling traditional journalism, Big Pharma, certainly now during COVID, uh, could not uh, get away with what it's doing. But listen, journalism, listen, th- these bloodsuckers, they, they rely on this faux superiority of of gleaming on to knowledge from the so-called expert class because they so badly want to be viewed as experts too journalists and teachers used to be just hey just 
folks put their pants on like the rest of us go to work do they no now it's all this faux superior we're trained journalists we're trained educators no no stop that nonsense you you so badly need to orbit around the sun of the medical uh, experts the scientists you've been slurping on that stuff for so long without that addiction that idolatry this th- none of this would work mm-hmm. so it's i i think it's a false choice they, they they are so dependent on one another for having s- slunk to the levels the depths that they have to the detriment of all of us here's something i tweeted out just a little while ago uh aaron during the commercial break um this is pfizer's ceo doing an interview in israel last year quote the efficacy of our vaccine in children is 80 percent reporter are you talking about efficacy to prevent severe disease or to prevent infection quote from pfizer's horse doctor ceo quote to prevent infection. They claimed this many, many times in public. Many times. I mean, I mean, probably dozens of times, Aaron, they made these claims. Yes. Yes. You know, I'm noticing a pattern when it comes to the spirit of the age. You remember in Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? And the University of Pennsylvania women's swimming team One of them was interviewed anonymously, and she talked about bringing concerns about having a dude changing in the women's locker room. And she was told she was the one with the mental illness. She was the one with mental health issues. I just read a story this morning from EV Magazine, which is kind of a, it's a magazine that's more conservative oriented, targeted towards women, about a college student who had uh, dormant, I believe it is, Lyme disease. She wanted to go to a certain college, but uh, they rejected her exemption for Lyme, Lyme disease. So she went to a smaller college. Eventually, because of work, because of other factors, because of the media pressure, because of uh, pressure from the doctors, she, she had to test every two weeks or every week, I think it was, and face the same nurses who frowned upon her decision not to get jabbed. And it would just weighed on her too much. So she just decided to give in, got the Pfizer vaccine. She got mm-hmm. paralyzed, mm-hmm. got paralyzed, went to the hospital. The doctors, the doctors diagnosed her with some sort of psychosomatic illness, just basically saying she was making this all up. Wow. Don't think, don't think that these, what we're talking about now. Don't think that this is is not intertwined. It absolutely is. You bet it is. It absolutely is. The level of evil down to the molecular level. Coercion and then gaslighting. Coercion, gaslighting. Coercion, gaslighting. That is evil. That is abusive. And we're in the gaslighting phase right now when it comes to this particular aspect of the COVID jabs when it comes to transmission. That dude that we just saw the Twitter thread from, he was wise and he kept receipts. The obvious question to ask to Reuters or to AP who are, who are saying, oh, well, it's uh, misleading to claim that Pfizer admitted 
admitted in scare quotes, as I saw, I think from Reuters this morning, it's misleading to say that they admitted that transmission data or that the jab wasn't tested about uh, transmissibility. It's misleading to say that. If it's misleading to say that, then why did they admit that they didn't have any data about transmissibility? Mm -hmm. That is the in-your-face level of dropping drawers and just letting it whiz right in your face level of gaslighting that we faced quite, quite frankly for this entire pandemic. But now that the house of cards is starting to fall down, now it's getting to the nth degree. Just say no. Somebody said this morning when talking to, to me or responded to a tweet this morning talking about the CDC deciding whether or not to add the COVID jabs to the to the childhood immunization yearly schedule. How can they do this to the, us? They can't do it to us if we don't obey. Trials and execution.com. And not, obeying, stop. not obeying is a form of consequence. Uh, the, uh, the second place finisher after revival or bust is consequences or bust. Mm-hmm. There's never any consequences. Why wouldn't they try what they're trying to do tomorrow with the CDC? Of course they will. The more I think about it, and Aaron, you, you clicked this in me. I'm no longer going to entertain conversations about repentance. When, when someone um, assaults a person, they are still criminally liable, whether they are truly remorseful and repentant, yeah, nevertheless. Be. And they should be, because they still committed that act, right? Yes. These are freaking criminal acts. These are criminal acts. Repentance is in the spiritual realm. We're in the civic realm. All there is, is punishment. That's all there is. There is nothing more. After a fair trial, of course. And may God have mercy on your soul. Yes, but there is no, we don't do repentance in the criminal realm. Serial killers don't get to stand up and say, you know, and I'm really remorseful for what I did. And then everybody's like, okay, you know what? You're right. You're out of here. No, that's not repentance. That's a different question. You bet your ass it's biblical to say this level of democide, this level of genocide, this level of gaslighting, this level of fraud, this level of poison, this level of injury, this level of tyranny, this level of oppression absolutely isn't a time to call for a repentance, but a gallows. Back here on the Steve Day Show, we are going to have a conversation that is many, many years in the making here for Pop Culture Tuesday in a moment. But first, because he is manlier than me, Aaron. It is your time to talk to our friends about BattleBox. BattleBox, if you are like me, if you're like me and you fall asleep at night, not really fantasizing, but thinking about what's the bug out plan. If things really go completely, instead of just 80% where we are, but if things really go completely collapse of civilization, what's your plan? May I interest you in BattleBox? Now... You're, this is, of course, for camping. This is, of course, for if you're into survivalism, right? But, it, you know, in case you get a box and you need to bug out as well, really, really helpful. So I've often said, and this is the best thing I can say about BattleBox, it's for those who like camping, who like survivalist uh, pursuits, and who might need to bug out. You could take a BattleBox. I got a trial box a few months ago. I said then, and I'll say it again now, 
I could survive for maybe a week or two based on how much food is in there, the tools that they give you, everything you need to start a fire, tell the direction, maybe uh, skin something or some things as well. That's what you get in BattleBox. So if you really want to prepare, you know, there's preparewithdace.com. That's for at home. Absolutely need that. But if you really need to get out of Dodge or you just like camping, Battle box is there for you. So if you want to be more manly than me and be more like Aaron, uh, or if you're already as manly as Aaron and you want to do what he just talked about, try battlebox.com slash Steve right now. Try battlebox.com slash Steve. When you sign up, they'll give you a free mystery box that's worth well over a hundred bucks right now. Try battlebox.com slash Steve. Again, that is try battlebox.com slash Steve. Time now for Pop Culture Tuesday, and each week on the show, we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism or conservative values and themes. And this week, we get to have a conversation that is many, 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 many years now in the making. Almost almost six years in the making now. Because I have screened what is called the rough cut of Nefarious for both Todd and Aaron in the last couple of days. For those of you that don't know, and I, th- I don't want to make it look like I'm the expert here. It's my first time in the movie-making business. I believe the first cut of the movie after you have shot it is what is called the assembly cut. And I think it's where they assemble all of the footage you have shot of all the scenes. Um, and then the rough cut is where the editor of the movie has determined, the, with help and guidance from the directors, the best versions of all those scenes. So the assembly, assembly cut can be very, very long, you know? Uh, like the, the assembly cut for Zack Snyder's Justice League was like two days long, okay? Ours was not. We could not film that many takes given the window of, of the tight window we were under at this time last year to get it made before the thug unions tried to shut it down. All right. So there's the assembly cut. Then your editor puts the best versions of those scenes together uh, in what is called the rough cut. And then when that rough cut is approved by your directors, then the picture is what is called locked. I believe that is the order of events here. Right. Meaning that this is the movie. These are the, the scenes in the order that they will appear in the film. Um, bar and now you've got to finish the movie. The cake is baked. Now we're, you know, working on frosting and sprinkles and, you know, those sorts of things, the sound editing, soundtrack, visual effects, etc. And that's the, that's the part of the uh, nefarious making experience we are at now. We are down to two last things that need to be done. Uh, the musical score and one more CGI scene. And then it's touchdown nefarious and we have a finished movie and of course i'll let you guys watch that as well but both of you had a chance over over the last couple of days to individually screen with me the rough cut of the film no spoilers whatsoever of course but i want to get your thoughts and aaron since you got to see it first i'll let you go first so to me this um this is a little bit different experience, I'm sure, than what, what Todd has, because I got to read the script first. Watching the rough cut the other night, to me, I'm going to give a, a little analogy here that some of you may appreciate, some of you may not. It's a little bit like uh, this was the second leg on a three-leg parlay, okay? The first leg, you got done with the script, okay? You got that done, that's good, you still got two more legs to go. The second leg was this. 
Hey, you got uh, can 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 the actors pull it off? Is the editing there? Is the is the pace good? You pulled it off. Now I'm still I'm I, I will get probably a little emotional if if what I think will be the final product actually ends up being the the, the, the final product. But man alive, it is at worst a very very good movie. Can I talk about the acting performance without actually giving spoilers? Mm-hmm. If you can, Sean yes. Patrick Flannery, the lead. Heath Ledger, Joker, good. There's another comparison I like that I can't I can't really tell you without giving away a, a plot device. So I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. But he is I mean he is that good, guys. He is that good. There are parts that guys as as well. I need to stop saying guys. Would you call me out on that? I I keep saying that. Uh, there are parts of this movie that even my curmudgeon, somewhat jaded butt got very uncomfortable in because of his performance. It's a very different take on the subject matter at hand than you will have ever seen. Uh, one final thing as well. The, 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 the supporting actor played by Jordan Belfi is the Scotty Pippen to Sean Patrick Flannery's Michael Jordan. Uh, you still, if you didn't have him, if you didn't have a good performance from him, you've still got MJ on your team. You're going to do really well. But adding that element that uh, Pippen brings really takes this to a whole nother level. The vast majority of the movie between Flannery and Belfi just... You would not know that it, you would not know that this movie was made on the budget that it was. I was overall really impressed. Cannot wait to see the final project uh, product. Cannot wait because if this is just the rough cut, that last if if the editors and what I've seen from the clip that you showed at the family leadership com- summit, uh, if that's really indicative of what's going to be the final project, this thing's going to knock your socks off. Wow. So Todd. After the show yesterday, you and I were down in the man cave, screening the uh, the rough cut of the film as well. You had not read the script, right? So you had no idea of what was in store from a story perspective, right? So you had a different challenge. Aaron had read the script, so then there's the challenge of reconciling how you imagined it in your head with how it actually plays out on screen. You experienced everything really fresh for the first time. What were your thoughts without any spoilers? Well, again, I don't know what's harder as an actor to be nefarious, to try to be nefarious, which is an entity you're not, or to try to be a human being who is reacting to nefarious. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them. I, I don't know what perfection looks like, but if this isn't it, I'd really like to see it. Wow. Uh, I think that's how how, how hard this challenge is. is. To get close to, and there's kind of, we, Steve and I have talked about that. We were talking about this last night, and we talked about it before. Uh, we, you know, how much we respect Heath Ledger's role as the Joker. He's dead now, and uh, people have talked about did just playing the Joker ultimately. Now he had issues, but did entering the mouth of madness at that level take a toll? I, I don't know, but it was the, the, this was breathtaking from an acting perspective. After that. I think there's two things that the movie had to accomplish. It, it, it had to have more theological weight 
than just about any movie uh, you've ever seen that's not Passion of the Christ or something. I mean, it it it, it could not be trite. Th- th- this needed to be a homily that was absolutely worthy of any Orthodox pulpit in mm. terms of the depth of its uh, theology and knowing what time it was. It was. But here's the part two. It's not a sermon from a homily. Mm-hmm. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. It has to have pacing. And so that's the second thing. Do you get that in a way, a storytelling way? You've talked about the importance. One of the most important things we have to come better as a conservative movement is storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is where I was most, I, I trusted the theology would be there. This is where I was most delighted. Because you couldn't tell that from the one clip that Steve's shown on the show. That that was more of a, a monologue back and forth, and that was great. But you, well, I didn't show it on the show. That made a lot of people mad. But oh, I showed that's, it to that's you. right. Yes. That's, uh, yeah. You showed it at the, the event you were at. Yes. Forgive me. That's the only place that's, it's been publicly that's shown. Right. Yeah. And and that was the only part of that event that was not filmed and released to the public on right. purpose. Yeah. But the 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 pacing, the plot devices, uh, as Steve, the, the first two things off my head were two plot devices i told i just had to tell them about them right away because they're so smart they're like mini movies within a movie Uh, um so yeah you you will you will absolutely get your money's worth but you'll do that as a christian and you would have gone anyways the the secular public is in for one heck of a ride and i love that about this movie they're not going to see what hit them. It's going to be fantastic. Did you want to add something else, Aaron? I don't believe so at this point. I okay. mean, it's it's going to be... I I mean, think of who you just heard that from. I mean, you heard that from from Todd. It's kind of on he this level. He thinks le- vinegar is ice thinks, cream. Exactly. Yeah. No. One, yeah. One of the hardest things I've ever had to even contemplate working while working for you however long it's been now eight years what is if this was not good how i was going to tell you oh you ain't alone how was i going to tell everybody oh else? no i know but like yeah. i'm just within me because you'd want me to be honest and I, um it's really good folks it's really really good i i and i say this humbly it is extraordinary i think i think it is i can't imagine you know, my company spent millions of dollars making this movie, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a, it's a, it's a level of money that is pretty scant compared to what people are accustomed to. I mean, I, I, when you see this film, I, I mean, just looking at the rough cut, does, does that look like a three and a half million dollar movie to you? Cause that's what my company spent making it. Okay. Three and a half million bucks. It does not look like a three and a half million dollar movie to me. I mean, I, I don't know how we could have made a better movie for three and a half million. I don't. Um, it's, 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 it is everything I had hoped it was going to be. And impactful, but entertaining. Thought-provoking. But consequential. And... You're underselling that... That thought, the, ultimately, the only thoughts that matter are provoked yeah. by this movie. Yeah. That's what I, 
it, it you you have got to confront the alpha and the omega. Yes. Period. That that film does what we wanted our story to do. It puts the ball on the tee and it it prevents it, it presents to borrow a phrase from one of my favorite theologians. It presents evidence that demands a verdict. Mm-hmm. You, you must render a verdict. You cannot come out of the movie neutral. It does not make the verdict for you. Nope. All right. So there's no cheese factor there. It does not make the verdict for you, but you as a viewer must render a verdict at the end of this story. You ha- you must, you cannot escape it. The, the reality of the, the cosmic truths of the world are clearly presented to you, albeit in a way that you are not accustomed to, frankly. Okay, which is what I did when, when I wrote the book this way to begin with. But it, it forces and compels everybody, regardless of what belief system you came into the viewing experience with, you will be, con- you will be compelled at the end to render a verdict. I mean, how anxious our focus group on Saturday night was to talk about it after, right after the movie. People were wanted to talk about it right away. I came into work yesterday. First thing Aaron said to me yesterday morning, man, I'm still thinking about that movie. Still, I'm still thinking about it. You didn't know that when I said that. Right. So he wasn't in the room when I came in this morning. You were. What was the first thing you said to me when I came in this morning? The exact same thing. Exact same thing. You had no idea he said that to me yesterday. Because I didn't have certain, I was uncertain about what I, not not about the quality, Mm -hmm. but about how they reacted in the movie, how they handled things, what, and so I mold them over theologically and how that, it, it, I mean, it make, and that's good. You, you, you should not be. It's very layered. You'll have to yes. watch it repeatedly yes. to catch things that maybe you didn't. Which is like reading it's scripture. Loaded, it's loaded with Easter eggs. Okay. You're, you're going to, it, it, it operates at multiple levels, just like the book does, even though it's a different story mm-hmm. than the book per se. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm just, I have no idea how many people will see it. I, I, I don't really care how much money it makes. I certainly won't turn the money down. I just, I just know anyone who does see it will be impacted. And that's really what I asked for is, can you, will you be impacted significantly by viewing this film? And the answer to me, unquestionably, especially with all the feedback I'm getting from you guys and others that saw it is yes. All right, let's wrap it up by talking about our friends over at Rough Greens. If you've got a pet, you know that that dog's health and happiness is really important to you and means more than food and water. And chances are the food you're giving that puppy has been stripped of a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients it needs for the same reason they strip it out of the people food that we eat for mass distribution in today's uh, uh, consumer environment. That's why you want to supplement now for your pet. And here it is. It's called Rough Greens. It's the powder you mix in with your pet's food and restore when you do that. A lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were stripped out of your pet's food before it ever left the store. But maybe you're wondering, will my pet like it? Does it truly help my pet's uh, health and happiness? We agree, particularly in the Let's Go Brandon economy. The last thing you need is an expense you can't afford. That's why we give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. The first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You pay for the shipping. So that you're invested here, but we pick we pick we pick up the the much bigger expense of the supplement itself. When you go to roughgreens.com, R U F F for roughgreens.com, or you can call them at eight three three rough dog. Any final thoughts here in the final minute we have? The furious gets inside your head too. That's the thing that I keep coming back to. It's a different way of saying what what Todd said earlier, demanding an answer, but you are cornered. You're cornered. At the end of this film, the viewer is cornered at the end of this film. 
any anybody who comes in there to a theater or whether it's uh, uh, you know your home entertainment device, however it's released, you're going to go in there if you're if you have any modicum of honesty, going to go in there and then come out, and you're going to have to make a decision one way or another, which is exactly what we had hoped most of all about the movie that the storytelling would be good enough that at the end you would have to render that verdict that Aaron just talked about and I think we did it that'll do it for today's show we're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers Uh, until tomorrow John 317 this is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network